Stick your hand in my fucking chest and rip my heart out, Miles Michaelis. Oh my God. <laughs> Cal Mitchell, double. Harrison Bader, you couldn't. You couldn't catch it, Bader. You couldn't. You're a gold glover. You always catch that ball. You couldn't do it for old Miles. You couldn't Dude, do it with Mr. Michaelis. It was such a good fucking pitch, too. It was I such was a good, that good of a pitch. What do you mean, dude? It was a backdoor breaking ball in the outside corner. Mitchell had to, and I love Cal. Listen, Indianapolis Indian Cal Mitchell, first time call up this year, such a nice guy. But you're a dick for doing that, man. Going down, lunging, and golfing that thing over Bader's head and center. It seemed kind of middle to me. And if, I, if I'm, all right, all due respect to Cal Mitchell, he is a good player. He's a good young player. But if he can do that type of damage with that type of ball, I mean, how good of a pitch was it? I thought it was a good pitch. It was a decent pitch. He could have had a better one, and he had a lot of better ones that night. Uh, he was incredible. Uh, 129 pitches, though, grinding. Yeah, dude. I mean, that was pitch 129. Like, that's, that's insane. Nobody's allowed to do that anymore. Kershaw got taken out at, what, 70 pitches in a perfect game? Remember those Edwin Jackson no-hitters where he'd have, oh, like, six like walks and 180 pitches? Yeah, dude. Just ridiculous. By the way, this is the Just Baseball Show. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple. Today is Tuesday, June 16th. Uh, Miles no, Michael is Thursday, but Thursday, <laughs> I got the date, right? I got the day wrong. I'm just so riled it. up about miles. Michaelis. and college baseball. Yeah, dude. Tomorrow. Um, yeah. Tomorrow. Peter Flaherty just joined us. So, um, the, the overwhelming majority of this episode is going to be Pete Flaherty. You're going to hear it. We went about 50 minutes, um, on the eight teams in Omaha and our picks to win it. Um, spoiler alert. None of the three of us picked Stanford, which is the best team left seating wise. We have to be different. I went Oregon State. You went Tennessee. Pete also went Tennessee. Two of the top seeds, they're both out of it. So we got to be different. We got to be different. Out. Jesus. Um, hey, let's talk Cardinals pitching for a little bit more because Michael is like, he's been good all year. This didn't come out of nowhere. He's had borderline like shutout stuff all year long. And his last time out was a duel in Tampa with Shane McClanahan. He had a complete game loss. And then here he is carrying a no hitter into the final strike of the game against Cal Mitchell. They need pitching. Jack Flaherty's back, but they still need pitching. How do they address it? Yeah. So I was actually on 590, the fan. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday to be released on Thursday, but I was on 590, the fan in St. Louis today on their, on their radio. And I, I was asking him, I was like, when it gets down to it, because we hold the Cardinals to a different standard, right? We hold the Cardinals to a different standard. Yeah, we they see them being contend a for the World Series. Contend for the World Series. So if they're contending for the World Series, like game two, it's Michaelis versus Scherzer. Are you confident in that? Are you confident in game one? I mean, Wainwright, I'm always, he's, he, he could win. He could beat anybody. Okay. So then how about game three? Flaherty, like, that's when what was I'm the saying. last time we had Jack Flaherty prove something to us? That's yeah. why in the past, Four weeks, this entire podcast, when we're talking about trade deadline stuff, is go 
get a starter. You know, they have good guys here and there. Palante has been good. You know, Dakota Hudson has been good. Yeah, he's good. I mean, they have guys, but they don't have that rock solid number one option. I mean, Wainwright can be that, but I like they need to go get a Frankie Montas from Oakland and they have so many prospects that they could do away with. I remember when we proposed that trade, you know, with Mason Wynn, Josh Baez, those kind of guys, not the untouchables in Jordan Walker and Gorman and Liberator still Cardinals fans said we can't get rid of them. And it's like, why are we prospect hugging? The time is now people go get the best starting pitcher on the market and go win a world series because you can do so. The Dodgers are starting to fall off the Mets. I mean, the Mets are going to be tough to beat and the Yankees are going to be tough to beat in the American league. Look but at the Cardinals can compete with anybody. You can stay out of the wild card scenario because the Brewers suck right now. And they've got right Woodruff on the IL and Freddie on the, on the 60 day, but they won't for a while. You know that listen, the NL central, I, the Brewers need another bat and the yes. Cardinals need another arm. Yes. Plain exactly. And Plain and simple. That's what it, it is, what it is. Uh, are the Cincinnati Reds going to finish third in the NL Central? After the start that they had, I think they finished third. The Cubs have lost eight in a row. The Pirates have lost nine in a row. I still don't see how the Cubs don't finish third in this division. I mean, you look at the mm-hmm. rosters. Like, the Cubs are so, no, so not talented. Christopher Morell is really talented. Yeah, but that's one guy. Yeah. Uh, every major, Wilson I, Contreras is crazy talented. I implore you. Yeah, he won't be on the roster in about a month. I implore you to find a major league roster that has zero talented guys because the Cubs have one. I think that might be the bottom of the barrel. What about Wade Miley? <laughs> Should we just get to college baseball now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's Pete Flaherty. That was enough of us. Back again with the Peters, Peter Apple, Peter Flaherty, um, who went two for eight on our picks in Omaha. What are we doing? How did you get this invite back? That's what I was going to ask you guys. I was surprised to get the invite back on. I, I think it was must have been my enthusiasm about Oklahoma that outweighed my misses, but I'm excited to be back on and I'll probably pick the wrong champion. So whoever's <laughs> listening to this, just fade me and you'll probably be good. The reason you're back on is because of your smile and your can-do attitude. Um, yeah. Before we get to uh, before we get to the eight teams in Omaha at Charles Schwab Field, not TD Ameritrade Park anymore, which is super weird. Peter and I had that revelation. Don't don't like it at all. Um, I know that you are a big fan of the college baseball coaching sphere. Um, you always got to suck up to them, right? I know exactly how you uh, how you put food on the table. Tell me, because I, I saw Eric Backage is going from Michigan to Clemson before we get moving. Is that an upgrade? Oh, my gosh. So I saw that hire last night. We were playing a um, – I'm on the Cape, helping out with the Cape League team. Um, we were playing a game. I saw they hired Backage. I think it was – actually, it was late night. I was just hanging late out, and, and I saw it pop up on my Twitter, Kendall Rogers bomb. And I was like, holy crap. Like, Monty Lee is a great coach. I mean, if you look at his body of work at Clemson, it wasn't even that bad. They won 35 games, I think, in most of his seasons and hosted a couple of regionals. They decided it wasn't working out. But Backage is like, I mean, I was freaking out. I'm not even a Clemson fan. I'm not a Michigan fan. But, like, that is an A-plus hire for them. He's done an, an incredible job at Michigan, and they don't necessarily have the, I guess, facilities or – they don't take baseball as seriously as Clemson. So for him to kind of have those added resources, is going to be 
unbelievable and, and Clemson just I, that's a slam dunk hire for him Jack you know how you were talking about Pete's like can-do attitude and that he's you know he's got a positive vibe about him I wouldn't care if he was crazy negative and had a can-don't attitude because I just love him for what he can spew out about college baseball I mean the guy is just a dictionary whether or not he gets the picks right you're gonna get a full <laughs> preview of every single team so actually if yeah he was never smiling his name wasn't Pete or anything like that or anything positive we'd still have him on because he's a book yeah, I appreciate fair. it, guys. Love it. Um, hey, we're going to get to the eight teams in Omaha. Peter has uh, Peter Apple has a quick preview on each of the eight teams. Uh, listen, Tennessee's not here. I do see Stanford here, but a lot of these other big hitters, um, they kind of dissipated. I mean, you've got the number five national seed in A&M. You've got the number nine seed in Texas. Uh, and then Auburn got away with a super regional win in Corvallis. Aside from that, you got Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Arkansas, Ole Miss, I mean, these are not really teams that you were expecting to be here, except you, of course, thought Oklahoma was going to be here. But Peter Apple, walk us through um, each team. Just give us the quick briefer. And then Peter Flaherty, I'm going to kind of get out of the way here. Um, and Pete Apple, you give the primer. Peter Flaherty, you get more in depth on these sides. Perfect. Yeah, Pete, let me give you a primer on each team. And then I want to I have a question kind of based on each team that I'll throw it to you. So the number two, Stanford, 47 and 16. This team is loaded. Alex Williams at the top of the rotation. He has a 2.88 ERA. And on offense, they're clearly led by Brock Jones, 327 with 20 bombs. Do you think Stanford is the favorite to win the entire thing? And I know we're starting with the favorite, so I don't want to ask you your pick yet, but do you think they should be the overall favorite going into Omaha? I think they got to be. It's tough looking at the baseball they've been playing lately and to not think of them as the favorite. We talked about it on our preview a little bit with how hot they were going into the tournament and how that's a recipe for success a lot of the time. And I mean, they backed it up. It, it was, it could have been easy against a good UConn team to kind of roll over down one Oh, and they, they ripped off two in a row and they're, they're going into Omaha feeling good. Everyone's going to be on a bunch of rest. And I think that the way it lines up for them, I, they're in a really, really good spot to, to have a good shot at this thing. And I, I totally agree with you about the UConn point because they beat a UConn team that wasn't as ranked as highly as some of these other teams, but they were really good. We talked about them on the preview. That was not a rollover win where they get, you know, some college nobody's ever heard of against one of the top seeds and just make their way in. They had to beat a tough UConn team and they handled them very easily, it seemed like. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that game one against UConn, everyone who was, I guess, up late enough was stunned by it. UConn, I mean, the game itself was insane. UConn went up like 13 to four, and then it ended up being 13 to 12. And everyone was like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, and for UConn to steal that game, at least myself, I was like, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to beat that team twice in a row, whether you're Stanford, you know, who whether or not you're at home, it's just tough to beat a team like UConn two times in a row. They won 50 games. Um, they come back um, the next day and they they take it right back to them and they punch back, went eight to two pretty handily. And then game three was where I was really impressed. Um, they went down three zip right away and then they respond. I think Stanford's ability to punch back um, is what I kind of took away from the Super Regional. I knew, I mean, we all knew about the talent they have on the roster, the the pitching depth, their lineup is virtually one through nine. Everyone's hot right now. Um, but how do they take that punch and how do they punch back? Um, and, and it's clear that they don't run from anyone. They don't keel over. I mean, and that's, again, 
um, that's what you want this time of year because pitching is going to be thin. It's all about who's going to step up and, and who's going to, I guess, punch back. So, again, Stanford's going to be really hard to beat, but there are a couple other teams I'm excited about, and we'll break it all down. I kind of want to interject uh, with, with one quick follow-up at the end of each team, too, because I'm thinking in terms of guys that we could see at the major league level. And obviously Brock Jones is the guy that has the gaudy numbers. He's got an OPS uh, over 1100 right now. There's this freshman that I was watching during the supers and during the regionals that I was so like taken aback by Braden Montgomery, a two-way guy. He's a freak. He's unbelievable. I, we talk about it sometimes in the text chat, like Braden Montgomery and, and all that, but he's a special, special talent. Um, Two-way, like he's a legit two-way guy. I don't know if you've watched the pitch at all, but he's got a great clean arm action on the mound. But in the outfield, it's a legit 70 arm, I think, with the arm strength that he has. Wow. Um, nice wiry frame. He's athletic. 16 doubles and 18 jacks as a freshman in the Pac-12. is uh, That's good for Brock Jones, let alone a true freshman. But I think he's got a chance looking way ahead to 2024. I think he's – I mean, is I think he's got tight? a good I think he's going to go one. I mean, he's going to be in the conversation to go one, one. I think he's going to stick in the outfield. He'll either play center or corner. And it's hard to imagine that he won't have, depending on how he does in Omaha. I mean, he'll probably have three consecutive seasons with 20 home runs and a 300 plus average in the pac 12, which I think is the most professional like conference in college baseball. Um, the sec might have the most raw talent, but the brand of baseball in the pac 12 is, is really unique. So, I mean, I'm equally as blown away and, and I know he's going to continue to impress me. Yeah. Incredible. And I just to shout out one more time at UConn. I remember one of the greatest college seasons ever, George Springer at UConn. Yeah. Took the world by storm. All right. Number five, Texas A&M 42 and 18. This team can mash down from one to nine. One of the best lineups in college baseball and maybe the best offense in this entire tournament led by Jack Moss, at least in batting average at 391. But they have just so many guys. Another one, Austin Boss hit 359 with nine home runs. We know they're going to hit. Talk to me about some of the pitching. Do you think they can pitch their way through a tournament win? Yeah, I, I think that. I mean, Texas A&M's offense is their calling card. You mentioned the guys, Moss, Rock, Boss, a lot of one-syllable name guys. But uh, Nate Detmer's uh, on the mound, or Nate Detmer, um, the sophomore. He's been outstanding for him. Um, if you look at just, I think, his raw numbers, there won't be anything that's, I guess, eye-popping. But um, he knows how to compete on the mound. He's a he's a pitcher rather than a thrower, which, I, which is good. Yeah, I mean, he he like he's going to be fine in those types of situations. Micah Dallas the same way. The ERAs are inflated because A and M, for those listening, A and M is an absolute airport. The ball flies. Yeah. Um, and then if you look kind of deeper down the depth chart, Jacob Palish, the grad transfer from actually Stanford, um, he he stepped up big time for him. He had an outstanding season. Took a little bit of a step back at Stanford. In 2021, people were kind of wondering what that was about because he enjoyed a great summer on the Cape in 2019. But, um, no, I, I think that anyone who's gotten to Omaha isn't there by accident. I think that all eight of these teams have the ingredients to win. Um, it's just about who – I mean, I, I guess just like who's going to be able to click at the right time. And Schlossnagel's done a great job in his first year at a and yeah. um, 
so yeah, no, I mean, just looking at this team myself, I, I mean, I could talk myself into all eight of these teams winning, but A&M with Schlossnagel, their pitching staff, they're going to be a, they're going to be a really tough out. And Schloss was at a TCU right before A&M, right? But he made the jump again, a lot like Eric Backage going from Michigan to Clemson. You got a really good program at TCU, but probably more resources at A&M, right? Um, Peter Apple, you mentioned Moss. Dylan Rock is the transfer from UTSA. The dude mashes. Does he have, you know, pro aspirations or is he just that really, really good college baseball player? It's interesting with Dylan because obviously he's on the older end of the spectrum. He's a grad transfer. Um, but I, I think he definitely gets drafted. I, I, I don't know too much about him from a, I, I guess, a scouting standpoint. I watch him play a lot, um, but I don't necessarily look at him with a scout's eye. But no, I, I, 13 doubles and 18 jacks and 330 in the SEC. I mean, I think that's going to be enough for a team. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be enough for a team to at least sign him. And sometimes it's it's simple as that. These guys are some of the best hitters in college baseball. You're hitting 330 with 40 extra base hits. Like, you got to get a look. You have to exactly. get at least somewhat of a look. And th- they're a scary team. But if I can be honest with you, Pete, Texas A&M, like, they're ranked number five, and they're one of the favorites going into this. But I don't have them winning it. I I, I think they could get upset early. I don't really believe in the pitching. I think the offense is crazy. But I think they're going to be met with an upset early. I really do. I think so too. I, I mean, they're a great team, but I'm with you. I don't think that they quite make it out of, I don't think they make it out of their first bracket or bracket one or whatever they're in. But I, I, I think that there are two teams I really love that are alongside them that, yeah, we're that could give them a lot of trouble. And, and with that said, Texas A&M is probably winning the whole thing. Like yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Going back my track record. If you listen back, Texas A&M is now probably a lock to win this thing, yeah. but yeah. for the A&M fans that are listening, I won't, curse your team so have either of you guys losing. have either of you guys seen the midnight yell before that they do like that friday before saturday football games it's the weirdest shit that i've ever seen i haven't no seen but it, i i love weird so i i think that's that that has to build well so i like good weird um the midnight yell is bad weird so uh hop on youtube <laughs> and search the midnight yell and uh it is it's very odd and you might be turned off of AM. We'll see. I'll hop on right after and do it. And Jack's his own weird because he decides which is good weird, which is bad weird based on what he's feeling. But someone else could think it's good weird. We don't don't know. But let's move on to number nine, Texas, who is a juggernaut, 47 and 20. Even though they lost one of their most talented pitchers early in the year, they're still in Omaha. And they were the number one team going into the year. Preseason pick, they were mine. And they are led by Ivan Melendez, the Hispanic Titanic, led NCAA baseball in home runs with 32, hit 396. But they also have Pete Hansen on the mound, who's one of the best pitchers overall in college baseball. Now with Connor Jerpy out, or Cooper Jerpy, excuse me, Pete Hansen might be the best lefty left in the tournament. 11-2 record this year, 3.40 ERA. Texas was the preseason number one. But now they're number nine, and they aren't the favorite to win it. What happened during Texas's year that kind of made them fall off the top spot? Was it the loss of one of their best starting pitchers? What do you think happened? Yeah, I, I think that if it's any team, whether it's Texas or UCLA with Thatcher Hurd, they're going to feel the loss of someone who means a lot to that pitching staff, especially because we saw this year with the, some of the scores in college baseball, pitching is almost non-existent whether the bats are hot the 
the balls flying wherever you play, whatever. I think the lack of depth kind of caught up to them. They lost a couple of really tough series. They lost to Kansas State. Um, they got swept by Oklahoma State. They, I mean, and then they got hot at the right time. Um, they also kind of came in limping to the tournament. They lost in the Big 12 tournament reasonably early. And I was, honestly, I don't know what, I don't remember what I said verbatim on the preview show, but I was almost questioning if it seemed like Air Force would upset them in the regional, let alone a super regional or making them, making it to Omaha. But hey, they did it and credit to them. They were faced with a lot of adversity and it's a team that is built on experience. You obviously mentioned Ivan with the home run record hitting 400. Murphy Steely's another Sky Messenger. These are older guys who know what it's like to be here. They know what the grind is like of a 70 game season. They know, you know, when you kind of have to start peaking, not that you can control that in baseball, but they know what I guess to expect in all of this. So I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of nerves on Texas's end. And much like really all the teams here, because there's no cold team in Omaha, but I think Texas, they were in Omaha last year. They obviously didn't win it and they're hungry to get to that mountaintop again. Yeah. So this is a really, really dangerous team because it's guys who are not going to be phased when they step in between the white lines at Charles Schwab field. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And like Pete Hansen's told that rubber Lucas Gordon's told that rubber. I mean, this is, this is a really dangerous team. And I, I think looking at that first bracket, they, they might be my favorite to make it out of there. Yeah. Um, in appreciation of Ivan Melendez, because you can pretty much you can pretty much put an end to the college baseball record book in 2010. And then in 2011, that's when they made the switch to the BB Corbats. And Chris Bryant had 31 homers in 2013. He had 31 homers in 62 games. My okay. God, <laughs> nobody had touched that until Melendez broke it this year. 32 homers with a BB core bat for Ivan Melendez. Like just how impressive is that power from that guy? Is it unmatched by anybody in college baseball? It's insane. I, I, I don't think you can say that. I, I mean, anyone matches it in game because he's he's got 32 and and it's his swing is interesting because you look at some guys and they really swing from the rear and they like they've got violent swings melendez doesn't really have that much of a violent swing it's relatively quiet and it's just the natural strength he possesses it's it's otherworldly and for him to have 32 home runs again with the say what you will about the the state of college baseball today i don't care what level it's at for him to have 32 home runs and almost be hitting 400 with more walks than K's. It shows that he's much more than just kind of a home runner bust player. He he's an actual hitter. And as far as raw power in the country goes, the the person who I could see beating this, not to get off track, but I could see Blake Burke from Tennessee breaking this in a full season. I think yeah. he could hit like 35 plus. Yeah, not Tommy <laughs> Tanks. <laughs> Tommy T- I, that yeah, that's another good point. I don't know where Tommy Tanks is going to end up. He's kind of gone a little rogue on everybody. Uh, that whole situation is really weird, but yeah. um, he he's definitely got the tool set to do it. Blake Burke has the tool set to do it, um, but it's a lot easy to sit here and say they've got the tools. Um, they've you got to go do it. do it. So, yeah. So, so 32 is a lot. That's going to be 
before we yeah. before we talk about Auburn, put on your associate scout because you're associate scout for the New York Yankees as well. Why isn't M- why isn't I'm saying MJ MJ Melendez? Melendez yeah. I got my I got my Royals hat on. Yeah. Ivan Melendez. Why isn't Ivan Melendez more of a big pro prospect? Right? Doesn't seem like he's going to go in the first round. Why not? Right? Yeah, it's a good question. He got drafted last year actually by the Miami Marlins later in the draft. I think um, age is obviously a big one. You guys know that as yeah. well as anybody. He's 22 with the draft. There's really what you're looking at with Ivan Melendez, and it's obviously an impressive product, um, is what you're probably going to get for his career, at least as far as his body type goes, where he projects positionally. It's first base DH, right, right. Again, great body, great strength. Um, There's just not enough clay left to mold. So Mm -hmm. that's a good scout. That's a good scout. (laughs) Yeah. I I threw in a lot of buzzwords there, but I, (laughs) I think with the season that he's put together and, age aside, position aside, I think that there's going to be a club out there that takes him in the top, man, I think probably top 100, 120 picks, just because I, I think that someone will believe in the bat that much. And he's, it, it's to let someone who had 32 home runs hit 400, that's not going to slip through the cracks for many rounds. So I think he goes in the top five rounds. And, and here's the thing about a guy like this, because I think the last time that we saw somebody with this production at the college level, my White Sox took him third overall with Andrew Vaughn, right? And, and Melendez, he can't really sniff the production and the, the clay to mold that Vaughn had, right? Because Vaughn was just the best hitter in college baseball. It wasn't close. Melendez, you think he's going to win the Golden Spikes? I think he's got to. I, again, yeah. Parada had an awesome year. Um, God, I should not be blanking on the other finalists, but I, I think that you can't not give it to Ivan Melendez. Yeah. I mean, I I'm thinking like a guy that could be a major league hitter next year, Melendez, that's worth a top 100 pick much like last year in Kevin cops. I mean, he could be a setup guy in major league baseball right now. There's something, you know, to that. And there's something draftable with that. Absolutely. No, I agree. And and that's why I think he does go relatively early and, Look, there's even a chance that he goes in the back end of day one in that that second compensation round. So, I mean, we'll see. But um, no, I, I don't think he's going to be waiting around. Very I'm, I'm long smiling. When the draft comes. I'm smiling because of the transition. What do you think of Sonny Deshera? But <laughs> Peter Apple, give me the uh, give me the the promo on Auburn. That's what I was about to say. Like we're about to talk about another guy who rakes. Number fourteen Auburn finished the year at forty two and twenty. They're led by first baseman Sonny Deshera, who's a big boy. He's a big boy, but he, boy. but don't, you know, don't fall into that trap of thinking that you could strike this guy out because not only does he have 22 home runs, he's a big guy. You might think, oh, is he in 250 or anything? 392. The guy rakes. And they also have Joseph Gonzalez as well, who's got a 295 ERA on the mound, and he went seven and three. This Auburn team is really good. I still can't believe they beat Oregon State. I still can't believe it. Pete, I know you can't either. What do people not know about Auburn? Like, what did we miss? Why did they beat Oregon State? What did I miss, Pete? Uh, look, I'm sitting here wondering the same thing because I, throughout the year, I always, Auburn was a good team. I think they made that clear early on, but did I envision them going to Omaha? Absolutely not. Did I envision them beating Oregon State in Corvallis? Absolutely not. So I have, look, 
I still don't even know how they beat Oregon State. I don't want to – no disrespect Either. to Auburn. They're, they're a good team, but, like – it's just they they're playing their best baseball it it a lot of it is just timely hitting timely pitching and they just had the right guy step up joseph gonzalez is a fantastic arm and the horse that they're riding um chase also the true freshman has been outstanding mason barnett blake burkhalter yeah the list kind of goes on with them and they got their best stuff right when they needed it which was in corvallis and they got a lot of big outs they got a lot of timely ground balls and you kind of look up it was similar to kind of, I guess, on a much bigger scale than this, but Kentucky and Tennessee, you look up at the scoreboard and Oregon State's losing and the game's over and you're kind of like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. And they just snuck out of Corvallis and into Omaha with a couple of wins. So who's to say they can't do it again in Omaha? They personally wouldn't be my national championship pick. Um, again, that's good news for Auburn fans because they'll probably be in the final, but um no, Sonny D is is so much fun to watch. Obviously, the hitting ability, the the his whole aura about him, and he's yeah. got a five sixty on base percentage, yeah. which is it just like that's the, like an he's got like an NAIA stat line, except he plays in the SEC. So, yeah. and, and before Jack um, pops in here, I think what I was most impressed with with Auburn watching that series was their pitching is much better than I thought it was Yes, like, wow. Yep. Can they pitch? I mean, and that was also facing an Oregon state lineup that is loaded and loaded with pro guys too. Not just one of these good college offenses that, you know, has some good college bats, but they have pro prospects in there. And like Jacob Melton, they have guys and Auburn came in there and just shut the door. That was the biggest thing. And pitching wins championships. Like, this could be a team that we're overlooking right now with how well they pitch. Like, if you can pitch against Oregon State and beat them, you can pitch and beat anybody. Oh, I agree. To shut down a lineup with Melton, Forrester, Bazana, Boyd. So good. And, and the like, it's 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 loud. It's it's a lot like, not to segue here, it's a lot like another team that beat a certain team in Knoxville. So, yeah. I, again, you can't overlook it. They're, they're not going to be scared of anybody. Um, and, and it's going to be, it's a really interesting field because it's not the, I guess the stacked field that we thought we were going to get with Oregon state, Tennessee, a couple of the others, but there are a lot of just great, well-rounded baseball teams and it's, it's going to be a quality product. Um, you know, last thing for me on Auburn, much like what Peter Apple was saying here, and much like what you were saying about the game, all of a sudden being over a lot of the credit there in game three of the super had to go to Blake Burkhalter because he threw two and two thirds. He punched out five. I think he was perfect through, through seven outs that he got so or eight so outs. Yeah. Um, so annoying when I have Oregon state money line and he's shoving it down their shoving, throats, dude. Um, I, I guess like my big overarching vague question is with how all the pitchers are performing. Is this the hottest team going into Omaha? That's my thinking. Not the hottest, at least pitching wise. I mean, they gotta be. I think they have the loudest super regional win of anybody. Yeah. So I uh, Notre Dame, <laughs> Notre Dame, did uh, beat a yeah. major league like team. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's between Notre Dame and Auburn. I think the most fearless teams are probably are definitely Notre Dame and Auburn. Um, Cause they know that they can play with anybody that beating the teams that they beat. So um, one of them is probably going to end up having to slay another giant with Stanford and they've, they've done it before and and now they get a neutral site and they've got a great fan base that travels. So and they got to do it again. Moving on to Arkansas, finished the year at 43 and 19, 
this is an Arkansas team that, you know, we thought they would be like a Tennessee or an Oregon State or, you know, a Texas at the beginning of the year. Like one of the preseason favorites to win it all. But they went on a little bit of a slide. But the fact that I'm underrating them while they're still in Omaha shows you how deep and talented this Arkansas roster is. In the infield, they have Jalen Battles, who at 293 with 10 bombs. But Connor Noland might be the best overall pitcher in this tournament, even though he's got a 386 ERA. The competition that he faced is crazy. Workhorse type pitcher with over 100 innings. And he was great as well in the Super Regional. Do you agree with me that, Car- uh, that Connor Nolan is the best pitcher left in this tournament? And do you also, do you think that Arkansas was kind of, they didn't meet expectations, but then again, they're still in Omaha. But I just, that's how I felt about them this year, that they didn't meet expectations, but they're still amazing. Yeah, the best pitcher question is an interesting one um, because I think I've got a hot take on it. Um, maybe a pretty hot take and we'll get to it when I get to the team, but I, I think he's definitely one of the best team, one of the best pitchers left for sure. Um, what he's been able to do is, is unbelievably at a great sec slate he's been huge for him in regionals and i'll admit that i i really thought arkansas was going to struggle in the tournament they got kind of boat run by alabama in their last sec regular season series and then they follow that up by going over two and hoover and limping into this thing so i didn't think that they were going to really i guess certainly not go to omaha you can you can never doubt arkansas with um with Van Horn at the helm and the talent they've got, but no, I, I, I think I, I, I am a little surprised to see them here, but again, everything resets and you've got guys like Chris Lanzilli, Caden Wallace, Peyton Stovall, your guy, Connor Nolan, Hagen Smith. Um, I, I would so say deep. that they aren't as deep as a Stanford, obviously that's a, that's un, that's an unfair bar to set, but right. um look, they wouldn't be here if they didn't have the ingredients to win and string together wins. So again, you talk about experience with Van Horn and they were here and, and man, I think it was 19. They lost that heartbreaking series to Oregon state. So, I mean, I know they want to avenge that Uh, the guys who were there. I don't know how many people are left, maybe only a couple, but that whole staff is, is still there and they're going to be tough to beat. Lots of folks were talking about Robert Moore as a, as a possible first-round pick ahead of this year, and he was arguably the, the worst bat in the lineup this year. I mean, he was brutal. Um, it, it's funny, you know, he's, he's dating Moore's son, uh, and this was a guy that, you know, I think got a lot of name recognition, and he's just not really uh, doing much of anything. So when I think X-factor, um, it's probably not Robert Moore. Who's the X-factor on this team if they're going to go deeper into this thing? My guy's Caden Wallace. Caden Wallace, the corner outfielder, third baseman, he's he's a legit, legit player, not only collegiately, but as a professional prospect, hitting nearly 300. I think he's got 17 doubles and 15 bombs. Um, he can run. He's got 12 bags. I think he's the most pro-ready player on this team offensively, and it, I think it's between him and Jalen Battles. And on the mound, I'm going to go with, and it's hard to go against Connor. Uh, Connor Noland is my guy on the mound. He is going to, if they want to get to where they wanted to in 2019, I think it's going to be on the back of Connor Nolan. So those are my two X factors for him. Gotcha. And don't count out Connor Nolan. That's all I got to say. Absolute workhorse of a right-handed pitcher. Moving on to Ole Miss, 37 and 22 record. 
I got to see Ole Miss and I called them the best team in college baseball at the moment. And they were ranked number one for a little bit, but then had a slide. What I saw was one of the greatest offenses I've seen at a college baseball field. They can hit with anybody led by Tim Elko, who hit 302 with 22 home runs. When we say donkey pop, <laughs> Tim Elko is that kind of guy. Ole Miss has got Jacob Gonzalez, who's a, who's a pro prospect as well. I'm just scared of the pitching. And that was something I noticed when I watched them that they, you know, they have Delucha. They have some guys, like they have some guys they can hit. They might have the best lineup in, in this entire tournament. I think when they're rolling, they can put up 10, 12 runs, but I'm afraid when they go up against some of the other best offenses in college baseball, that their pitching is going to get exposed. What do you think about Ole Miss moving into the tournament? Well, first I I'm happy for, for coach Bianco. He, he gets a ton of flack for not being able to get to Omaha, being a notorious underperformer when the lights are bright in the regional and a super regional, whatever. And he was being talked about. I mean, it was them in Mississippi state that even up until like April were in the basement of the sec and, and on the outside looking in of forget about a regional, the sec tournament. And everyone's like, geez, you know, Bianco's probably on his way out. Um, and all this and then they just flip a switch and they go berserk they finish the season on such a hot streak um they they sneak into a regional i think they were the last team in the tournament or one of the last teams in i think they were definitely last four in and they get a tough draw with they go to coral gables and they get arizona in that regional and they they beat Miami in a really good game. I think they went two to one to knock out Miami. Um, and I think that was when I realized that, okay, Ole Miss is, they, they're, they're not a joke. Miami's a really good team and they beat them two to one in a really good baseball game. They destroy Arizona in that regional championship game. And then they outscore Southern Miss. I, I think we, I mean, we had them in Omaha because of the pitching, but we always, we were always wary of their offense and they were not going to swing it. They outscore Southern miss at Southern miss 15 to nothing. So, I mean, and that's for them to hit that pitching, the best pitching yeah. in college baseball, in my opinion, at least from top to bottom, that 100%. was really impressive. And they do it too. It's not like Southern miss the way it lined up. They, they kind of had to throw their non guys. They did it against Waldrop and Tanner hall. So yep. those are two of the best pitchers in the country and Ole Miss is no stranger to good pitching, whether it's in a regional or the SEC. So, again, talking about all these eight teams, it's hard to say, given how they're, I guess, each route the team took to get here. It's hard to say that, oh, Ole Miss isn't going to, you know, hang with the Stanfords or Auburn ran out of gas after Corvallis. So that's our job, Pete. That's literally yeah. what we're here to do. It's hard. That's why, you know. Talk about like baseball to... an hour a day, five days a week. <laughs> no, I love it. So I will say, um, no, I, I, I think that the, the, the uh, Ole Miss carriage turns into a pumpkin in Omaha, but it, it was a, they had, they had a good year. Interesting. Um, you know, I, I, I find that game two in Hattiesburg really interesting because Tanner Hall has to kick into survival mode, game two. And he was just thoroughly outpitched by this kid, Hunter Elliott. And he looked amazing. He pitched into the eighth. He punched out 10. He didn't walk anybody. Seven and a third, three hits, no runs. Is this a guy that, you know, you've kept tabs on and, and know that he's a solid arm? Because he, he initially started in the bullpen, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. There was that whole controversy with Bianco early on. I think he, there was some quote he had about all of his pitchers being the same or like he didn't really have a Friday guy and everyone got all worked up about it, but no, he, he stepped up and, and he got thrown into that Friday role. I, or I think he's their Saturday guy and Delush is the Friday guy, but I mean, as a weekend starter in the sec, it's, it's tough. And he's a true freshman doing this. Again, we talk about the freshman class. It's outstanding. And you look ahead to 2024, you're talking about a guy who's a six, four lefty with starter traits, who's a with a track record in the sec. Um, he's got the makings of a, at at the very least a first round draft pick, maybe one of the first college pitchers off the board, but again, you, he's a pitcher and not a thrower. He's got a pro pitch mix. He knows how to pitch guys and it's impressive whether he's 18, like he is now or, or 22. So with Elliot and Delusha, they, Hey, I mean, they, they just might go two and O and, and find themselves in that, in that national championship game. Damn. Let's move on to Oklahoma, the biggest sleeper of the tournament coined by our guy, Pete Flaherty. They're led by Peyton Graham, who I think is one of the best overall players in college baseball, at least had one of the best seasons. And he's just a phenomenal player hit 336 with 20 home runs, but they also have a good pitcher on the mound and Jake Bennett went nine and three with a 3.53 ERA. So Pete, you called them the sleeper. It was one of your picks to make it to Omaha. Do you think they have an actual shot to win the whole thing? Well, first I'm so glad it panned out because if they didn't pan out, I think I would have just had Stanford, which is such a vanilla pick that everyone had. So thank you to the Oklahoma Sooners um, for saving me a little bit of credibility, but um, yeah, 100% they've got the ingredients to win it. And I'll, I'll go back to what I said in the preview. This should have been a one seed and they should have hosted. Um, They've got Bennett Sandlin, um, Trevin Michael on the mound. They've got a, a, a little bit of a thin bullpen, but, like Pete, you were saying the offense is unbelievable. Peyton Graham is our guy, 20 jacks, 32 bags. Like he's, he's going to not make it out of the top 35 picks on draft night. And then they've got a catcher who knows what he's doing behind the play with Jimmy Crooks. He's got a fantastic arm, knows these pitchers, knows how to call a professional game. And he's got a hand cannon. And then you look a little bit on the underclass side, they've got Jackson Nicholas and Kendall Pettis who are, you know, they've stepped up huge for him. They've made that lineup a lot longer than just Treadaway, Graham, and Crooks. Um, they've made it so they've got a real, you know, one through nine lineup that you can't pitch around anybody. So, and, and the way that I watch them play, and they've, they are so much fun to watch, but they're playing pissed off. Like, they, they feel disrespected. No one gives them the credit that, that, is due for other than the just baseball podcast. Yeah. There we um, go. But no, they're, they're playing like a team on a mission right now and a level that even for the great season that they did have, they didn't tap into. So this is probably the team I would least want to face in Omaha because they're just on, they're just a runaway train right now. And I, I might get riled up right now. As my, yeah. Oh, I, they, I, I might get riled up. <laughs> I, I almost, I almost just called them my national champs, but no, I, I think they absolutely yeah. have a shot. Man, um, I know you're a big college basketball guy as well, and I think that a lot of people will will understand what I'm about to bring up in in the scheme of men's college basketball because you see some guys that you know 
could be a top 20 pick, maybe could be end of the first round. And then the NCAA men's basketball tournament comes around and their team goes to the elite eight on their back. And then they turn into a top 10 pick. You know, I'm thinking of like a Mitch McGarry at Michigan. I'm sure that name rings a bell. Or how about a Malachi Richardson at Syracuse for those types of people? Peyton Graham, you said he's, he's in the top 35 right now. This feels like a tournament darling. Could he play himself into that top 20 pick? Definitely. And I think to your point, he's, he's done just that even so far. He, he put the team on his back in the Super Regional against Virginia Tech. Um, he had a couple of really big hits in that regional down in Florida. Um, I think two go-ahead home runs. And he is, I think, if you see Oklahoma hoisting the trophy and dogpiling at the end, um, it's going to be because of an MVP performance from Peyton Graham. And Peyton was a highly touted draft prospect going into this year. He was a day one guy, but he has taken his play to the next level when it's mattered most. And I know for a fact that it's appealing to a lot of teams that he can perform when the lights are as bright as possible. So regardless of how Oklahoma does in Omaha, I think even his performance through the super regional bumped his draft stock up even just a little bit. But unfortunately for Oklahoma, even if they win the entire thing, they won't be able to sniff the women on the softball field. The, the women who had over 100 more home runs than they allowed earned runs. The team that won the college the college softball championship easily. Jocelyn so Allo. Say it again. Jocelyn Allo. Exactly. Even if they win, they won't sniff the women, though. Oh, that team is insane. They, they And unfortunately, they won't get talked about nearly as much as they deserve to be. But they were better that might than be Tennessee. the best team in sports. Literally. Yes. Literally. I, I don't think sports. that's even a hot take. Yeah. So love and, just, love and just to recap, like they had 141 home runs this year and gave up like 38 earned runs. It's just stupid. It's, it's unbelievable. They, what were they? 50, 60 and three or something like that. It, it, like they just all season, they dominated. They were minus six fifty on the money line to win game one of, of the uh, college, college world, world series. series yeah. And God bless. I was like, should I put 6.5 units to win a unit on this? Like one of the bigger bets that I've made, they won 16 to one. Like it just, they're just so freaking. Shout out Peter Apple betting on college softball. <laughs> and what a hit. I love it. Not gambling advice though. <laughs> Not gambling advice though. Moving on to Notre Dame. The last team that we got to go over before we pick a winner, Notre Dame upset Tennessee. Um, there was people in our TikTok comments. There was actually a viral video that we went around of some guy saying that Tennessee could beat the Reds or at least cover the spread of like a five and a half. But Notre Dame beat them. And when you consider college baseball players versus MLB players, it's clear that the Reds would have beat them because even Notre Dame beat them at 40 and 15. They have two really good pitchers at the top of their rotation and John Michael Bertrand and Austin Temple. Bertrand is probably the best of the bunch but austin temple both of them have an era below 3.6 and they have like four or five dudes hitting over 300 but i really like carter putts and i just think this overall notre dame team could be another upset on upset alert i just who do they have in the first game because if it's stanford i don't know if they can beat them okay so i mentioned a little while ago about how my best pitcher in omaha might be a hot take um, and he's on Notre Dame, 
and it is not Bertrand or Temple. It is the Finley. true freshman, yeah, Jack Finley. And I think he's the best pitcher in this whole thing. Yeah. Um, he he pit, he has front end of an MLB rotation stuff. He is a six four lefty. He knows how to pitch with four pitches. He's got an above average changeup, above average kind of sweeping curve. He just picks his spots with his fastball that's 88 to 92 which for him to locate the way he does that's all you need um and up here on the cape you know you talk to guys and and jack you know this and from being up here you talk to guys kind of around the cage or in the dugout and when talking and i'm like oh you know who was the toughest pitcher you faced this year and we had a lot of ac we have a lot of acc guys the name that came up the most was jack finley and he is throws from an uncomfortable slot he's got the stuff to boot i think he's the best pitcher in omaha wow um and but to your point though pete like john michael bertrand and temple along with finley you you kind of when you mention that trio you quickly kind of talk about maybe the best rotation in this whole thing um because given the way that they're playing recently and their entire season's body of work um that's tough to compete with. And they've got guys out of the bullpen too. Liam Simon is, is outstanding. He's, he's a big velo guy. He's a little bit like Jacob waters out of West Virginia. A lot of stuff command is kind of a, a bugaboo for him, but Notre Dame a team coming in with probably the most swagger of anyone. They just beat Tennessee at in Knoxville to come here. So they're a team that I would really not want to face that, that top bracket. I don't know who exactly they've got in the first game, but, that first bracket has Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Texas, and, and Texas A&M. That is a oh, – I got Texas. Jeez. All right. Mm. Yeah. That 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 first bracket is just going to be a, a, a gutter war. So, I – no, I, I think that – man, I think that they're going to be the trendy upset pick for this because it, yeah. it'll be – I think it might be the easy one to, to pick, especially after Tennessee, but – no, I, I, I'm a believer in the fighting Irish. Jack, I have a question for you too, because when names are being talked about, especially in the Cape, I mean, these are some of the smartest baseball minds around who yeah. just understand talent at a level that few do. Just to give people perspective about what he was talking about, about Finley, who were some of the guys in the Cape that you always heard of? Like, we're just always talked around, like some of the big names that you heard who now made it to be big leaguers. Um. Asa Lacey was one of them. Lacey was a guy that was constantly talked about. And of course, Lacey's having his issues uh, in the lower levels of minor league ball with the Royals, but Lacey was disgusting at a and And there's, yeah, I yeah. mean, like there, there's a reason, obviously. Um, you know, a, a lot of guys that I would ask about Reed Detmers, I heard about Reed Detmers often. Um, I heard about what Hunter Bishop can do, another Brewster guy here. But I mean, the, the, the big name was Torkelson. Like Torkelson, he... He was in Chatham, then he went to Team USA and Pete Flaherty. I'm sure you remember this. Then he came back for like a week and just wrecked again. Um, Torkelson, I saw Vaughn and Stott in Wareham, and the ball sounded different off their bat. But Torkelson like was just a different beast. And everybody knew that Torkelson was showing up to the ballpark. And Torkelson would always um, be worth the price of admission, which was free. It's phenomenal. Anything else on Notre Dame before we pick a winner, Jack? Uh, Cole Komet's younger brother is on the Notre Dame baseball team. Wow. Anything That's on that? <laughs> no, I, 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 I think I touched on it. We touched on it. 
Okay. Ready to pick a winner, gentlemen? Yes. I'll go first. I'll go first because I'm sticking with my preseason pick. I had the University of Texas, Hook'em. I had them winning it at the beginning of the year. And was it the greatest pick in the world? Pete and I talked about it. They were number one, but they were number one for a reason. They went down with one of their best starting pitchers, but it doesn't seem to matter. I think they're going to be able to have the bats to beat on Notre Dame. And I still think it's Texas's year with how mature they are. They've been there before. Like Pete said, they're hungry. And now I'm just making up a lot of excuses to stick with my preseason pick. But I still do believe that Texas is one of the teams to beat at least. And I ain't betting against Melendez. I'm certainly not doing that. Or Pete Hansen. Or any of them. I ain't betting against them. You're a smart man not to bet against those guys. So I'm, I'm not as smart as you and I'm going to, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go against them. So I've got, Oh man. In talking about all these, I kind of came into this podcast with a champion in mind. It, it changed mid show when we were talking about, <laughs> we were talking about some of the teams. So coming in, I initially had Stanford. I think that where they got out of that super regional where they may have not played their best baseball that second bracket I think is a little easier than that first one to maybe get through there with some more pitching. Um, But when we got to talking about the teams and when you talk about the attitude and the overall body of work that some of these teams have, Oh, I got to go with the Oklahoma Sooners. I, I think that they make it out of that juggernaut of a bracket one. I think they get a great start from Jake Bennett in that championship series. And I think they beat, um, I think they beat Stanford and I think they do it in three games. Good for you, Pete. I love that. Good for you, Pete. Go with your, go with your guys (laughs) in Oklahoma. I mean, to your point, they're crazy good. They can easily win it. That's not just some sleeper, you know, in the back end of this tournament that, you know, it's, they're a fun, trendy pick. They really are. And they have the talent level of these top teams, but they aren't being looked at it like that. So that's a great pick in my opinion. Hey, I appreciate it. I like your pick too. It's right. Jack, you guys are going to hate mine. Um, Listen, Stanford is probably the best team left, right? They're the number two national seed. I'm going to go with, and we were just touching on this about half an hour ago. I'm going to go with the hottest team left in my opinion. Um, I think the hottest pitching staff as a collective paired with a guy that had a 1400 OPS this year, I think Auburn's going to win the national championship. Mm, Come on, Jack, fire me up right now. Listen, like it's just generic reliever pumping 96 that came out of the bullpen in those super regionals in Corvallis. And I, I can get behind that because yeah, you can run out studs. I remember when Florida was running at Fiedo, then Singer, then Jackson Coar, right? Yeah, that's great. But if you don't have that, you might still win the College World Series if you're running out 10 guys that throw in the mid-90s with gross stuff and they're rising to the moment. That's the beauty of Omaha. That's the beauty of TD Ameritrade slash Charles Schwab Field. It's a big ballpark. It's a nice ballpark. And you know what? Everybody converges on Omaha, Nebraska for a week. It's the coolest place ever. It's on, it should be on everybody's bucket list. And it's so easy to rise to the moment in Omaha. I think that Auburn, if they have 10 guys that can rise to the moment on the hill, Sonny DeShera, I have a feeling is going to rise to the moment. I freaking love that. And, you know, the big, the big story is, of course, Notre Dame beating Tennessee. And it was a crazy upset. But the fact that they were able to beat Oregon State shows me something. I mean, they could pitch like nobody's business. Yeah. They could do it. I think hopefully, you know, not all three of our picks could win, but now looking back on it, none of these, none of these are hitting. 
Hey, you never know. I, I may, I, the, the Sooners were the only ones who came through for me in the, yeah. in the original preview. They might do it again. It'll, there we go. Um, we start, I like the Sunny D pick. Thank you, man. We start tomorrow, 1 o'clock Central, so 2 Eastern. You've got Oklahoma against number 5 A&M. Then on Friday night, Notre Dame against the 9 overall seed Texas. Uh, Saturday afternoon, Arkansas and the top seed left, the Stanford Cardinal. And then Saturday night, Ole Miss and Auburn. It keeps on going all week. Uh, we will end at the very latest Monday, June 27th. Peter Flaherty, this was awesome, man. You were the college baseball correspondent this summer. Enjoy your time and get to it. Thanks for having me on, guys. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to keeping you up to date throughout the summer. And we will spare the social media plugs for everybody. Um, we'll be back with you tomorrow. So, Peter, with that, thank you, everybody. Thank you.